Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Uh, So this morning I get the honour and the privilege to carry on our Courageous Prayers series and uh, looking at prayers that take us deeper, prayers that take us out of our comfort zone, away from the familiar and into adventure. These are prayers that take courage to pray. They're not the, the easy prayers that we like to pray. We quite often, especially just before we go to bed, we say, bless me, Lord, heal me, Lord, give me, Lord, do this for me, do that for me. But these are prayers that uh, are not, God, what can uh, you do for me? But God, what can I do for you? They take us out of our comfort zone and they expose our weaknesses and sometimes our insecurities. You see, I believe that life is an adventure and we're not just put on this place to survive. And, you know, if if getting saved and, and coming into a relationship with Jesus was the ultimate and the pinnacle of our life, then at that point in time, we would have been taken to heaven and we wouldn't have been left here by God to be used by Him. You know, I love, I'm not a boring person. I hate just sitting at home and, well, I do love it sometimes, but I I hate doing the normal. You know, if we uh, go driving, for example, I love to go driving and, um, you know, go through the Adelaide Hills. If we're going to go to Harndorf from our place in Hope Valley, I won't go up through the freeway, but I love getting off and going through the back roads and getting through Lobethal and discovering Lobethal Bakery. <laughs> Amen. There's also one in Woodside and, you know, they're all at the... <laughs> make several stops. I love, uh, I love getting... And you see these, uh, these apple orchids and, and you stop and, you know, there's that place near your radler where you can get that massive apple pie and bring that home and because uh, it's so big it doesn't fit into the oven but it's just beautiful. See, I love getting in the back roads because the back roads is where real life is found. The back roads is where you find real people and there's always surprises when you get to the back roads. You know, we went to, Sarah and I had the privilege of being able to, you know, take a holiday and go to uh, Europe and visit Paris in France when we were there. And, uh, you know, it was a couple of years after we were married, so we had no kids, so we actually had money to be able to do that sort of thing. Um, but we loved getting out and seeing the, the sights. I loved seeing the Eiffel Tower. You know, the queue for that was about five million people long, so we didn't actually climb it on that day. You know, seeing the Champs-Élysées, the Arc de Triomphe, the Louvre, you know, all of these famous Paris attractions. And uh, for me, though, the highlight was actually getting off of the tourist trail and getting into the back streets and the suburbs and finding real French people and real French cuisine and the real French culture and just getting a feel of what Paris was actually like, not just in the tourist spots. And I think that life is the same. I think that we should be getting off of the tourist trail, we should be getting off the highways and experiencing the back roads and experiencing you know, behind the scenes. And this series, Courageous Prayers, is a series that takes us onto these roads. It's about stepping away from those safe prayers of bless me or give me, and courageously stepping out into adventure. See, when you step out, you find courage that you didn't know existed. And it's only when you step out that you know, you, your faith actually then kicks into gear. In part one of this series, Pastor Tony looked at Psalm 139, 
Search me, search my heart, O God. And which we learned was a prayer of vulnerability. It's allowing God to search our heart, our head and our hurts. But also knowing that in the midst of our hurts, the grace of God is available, but we have to let go of that hurt, let go of the offence to receive that grace of God. In part two last Sunday, Pastor Ash looked at Psalm 119. Teach me, teach me your ways, O God. And being a, a, a maths teacher himself, I think he enjoyed sharing around that one, but we learned it was a prayer of humility that we learn by listening and watching, but the courage comes in the doing. Ashley shared about how we need to, God to teach us love, to teach us holiness, and to teach us security. Today we're looking at a prayer from the book of Isaiah, Send Me. And this is a prayer of availability. It's not God do this for me, but God, what can I do for you? And this prayer will open up God, open you up to God taking you on an adventure. It may lead you to talk to that person that God has placed in your heart and may lead you to inviting them along tonight to see the movie Risen. And that's going to be a great kickstart for our series leading up into Easter, The Road to Redemption. It may lead you to inviting someone to come along and hear Pastor Tony share or Kath in the lead up to that, or maybe along to one of our Easter services. It may lead you to serve in an area of church. And one of the things that I love about our church is the wide variety of people that we have serving in our church. I love that you know, we've got John Gadaletta, who's a concreter by day and a kids worker by night in there leading our children. You know, we've got Johnny Mangos, again, who's a concreter. We've got Steve Meinl, who does something that I really don't understand. <laughs> but these guys have put the time aside and have stepped out and, and God is using them in our kids' program to bless them. And I love that. And there are many more. I'm sorry, you know, I've only got a limited amount of time. We've got, but there are many more volunteers that put in their time. But this may lead you to say, yeah, I could put my hand up and I could help out once a month and lead or to serve in an area of the church. You know, this courageous prayer may lead you to break up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend that isn't good for you. It may lead you to step out of a toxic relationship, a relationship that just isn't healthy. It may lead you to change jobs or to change roles or possibly to join a connect group. We've got so many great connect groups happening this week and it would be great to see you at one of them. Like Ash said, see the resource centre uh, after the service, not at the moment, just wait, <laughs> I'll get distracted. And you know, one of the biggest changes that it might lead you to go from being a port supporter to a crow supporter <laughs> and actually seeing the light. Where was that boo? Yeah, out. <laughs> See, Isaiah had this encounter with God and God said, who shall I send? And Isaiah said, send me, I will go. I don't know if God's ever come to you physically and appeared in front of you in the way that he did to Isaiah, but you know, God appears to us all and he, and he asks us all to do something. And quite often there are three responses that we give when God asks us to take a message or to do a task. The first response to being called or to being given a task, I call the disappearing act. And this is something I was great at growing up, just as the tea finished and I knew that it was time to do the dishes, me uh, as, a, as an eight-year-old boy would conveniently disappear into the toilet. And I would spend a good half an hour, three quarters of an hour, come out and go, oh, 
the dishes are done. Oh, I'm so sorry, I would have loved to have helped. Oh well. And we all know people that do that. There are people in our workplace that whenever they're going gets tough, they get going. And uh, where are they when you need them? You know, there's always people like that. They pull the disappearing act. And I love uh, reading the book of Jonah. And this is something that Jonah did. Jonah, uh, God asked Jonah to carry a message to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah's response was to run. And I, and I have this picture of this puff of cloud shaped, Jonah shaped cloud, just like you see in the, you know, in the Warner Brothers cartoons. And he ran and he disappeared and he jumped on a boat, sailed out into the middle of the ocean, trying to escape and trying to disappear from God. It was then that the storm came and he was thrown overboard and he was eaten. Eaten or swallowed? I guess eaten connotates something else. But he was swallowed by a whale. And it was there that he realised that even in the belly of a whale, you can't disappear from God because God is there. First response, the disappearing act. The second response... I see is the one step back. And you see this when there's a group of guys all milling together and, you know, the 5, 10, 15, 20 guys all milling together. And uh, quite often this happens on a Sunday night as I set up for nurture on a Monday morning or playgroup on a Monday morning and I'll come up to a bunch of guys and say, oh, I just need a hand carrying one couch. Can you carry one couch? And there's always one of those guys that just takes one step back <laughs> and one step back and just hides behind the group of guys trying to camouflage in, hoping not to be noticed. The one step back. And this is something that, that Moses did as well. Moses, you know, he, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, which is huge in itself. And God asked Moses to do something to uh, have the people released, the people of Israel released from Egypt. And the, what Moses does is he protests and he reminds God of all his failures. He pleads with God, please don't send me. And he even pushes his brother forward. Hey, Aaron, you could do this. You know, and takes one step back and tries to hide behind Aaron. But we know that God sees past our faults and he sees past our failures. And he sees our potential. You see, the first response, we've got the disappearing act. The second response is the one step back. And then the third response to being asked to do a task or to carry a message is that one step forward. And this was Isaiah's response. You see, Isaiah doesn't do the disappearing act and he doesn't step back and try to camouflage in and hope not to be noticed. But he steps forward and says, here I am, send me. So this is courageous. And this step forward is the first step on adventure. So... Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 8, we'll read the story of Isaiah. And it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. That's an ultimate uh, you know, coordination, hand-eye coordination we've got going on there. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, Isaiah cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. See, Isaiah lived in about 700 BC, so about two and a half thousand years ago, in Judah, which is present day Israel. And the people at that time had had the law of God for a long time. Moses had come down from the mountain and given them the Ten Commandments, and then they built on that to over 600 laws. And the people at that time were really great at making sacrifices and going to the temple and making prayers uh, to you know, giving. But the truth is their heart wasn't in it. They were doing and saying the right things, but they weren't living the right way. They were religious hypocrites. They were making a show of obeying God, parading around and publicly acting holy. But in private, they were taking bribes, rebelling against God's law and blackmailing and stealing. And God was looking for someone to carry a message to them, calling them to abandon these grand public demonstrations of holiness and to actually walk in it. And God asked Isaiah, who shall I send and who will go for us? You see, that wasn't a, a, a rhetorical, it wasn't a question directed specifically at Isaiah. He didn't say, Isaiah, will you do this? Isaiah, can you do this for me? But it was a question, who shall I send? And I love how Isaiah stood up and he stepped forward and he said, here I am, send me. You see, Isaiah didn't check to see what the pay and conditions were like and to see, make sure they were paying appropriate superannuation. Hopefully we get above average annual leave quotas, etc. He didn't check his calendar and try and schedule it in somewhere. He didn't call his wife to check, hey, have we got anything on tomorrow? Do you mind if I go and do this thing for God? He wasn't busy. You know, when you go to someone and you ask them to do something and you can see their eyes fluttering in the back of their head trying to think of excuses, what can I say to get me out of this? But he allowed himself to be interrupted and made himself completely available. So what does it take to be completely available and how do we get to a place where we can be interrupted? Firstly, I believe that we're all called. So sometimes it's easy for us to look at Joyce Meyer or Pastor Tony and look at these generals of our faith and you can so clearly see the call of God in their life. We think that the call of God is sometimes just restricted to the stage or to the high, highly visible roles. But in truth, we're all called. Matthew... 28, 19 to 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we've all been called into this great commission. See, God's placed us all in different locations, different settings, different environments to be a light in those places. God has called you into your workplace, not just to earn a wage, not just to get a job done, but to be a light in your workplace. See, God hasn't called us all to be pastors, but God has called everyone to pastor people in your workplace. God hasn't called you just, you're not just in uni or just in school, just because that's where you've landed, but God has sent you there. God has called you there to be a light and to be a witness for Him. You don't just play footy or soccer for the fun of it, although it is you know, a lot of fun. 
but you've been sent by God into that football team to be a light and to be a city on a hill. See, God hasn't just called pastors and missionaries. He's called each and every one of us. He's called us to different jobs and into different settings. You see, my family at home, uh, you know, Sarah and I, and we've got two young girls, five and eight, and each one of us has a job list that we need to get done to make sure that our house is organised. So for the girls, they've got the obvious responsibilities of having to keep their room clean, you know, put their laundry in the, in the wash basket, um, to pick up after themselves. They're obvious responsibilities that the girls have, but then there's age-appropriate chores and tasks that are relevant to them. So Amelie, being five, she empties the dishwasher, but she only gets the plastic stuff out so that she's not you know, throwing steak knives around or whatever. And then Isla will step, once she's done that, Isla will take out all the, 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 being eight, she grabs all the porcelain and all the china things and is able to put those away. And then for me, in my role, I, you know, keep the outside clean, I mow the lawn, I vacuum, I wash dishes, etc. We all have our roles and we all have our responsibilities. And if this is my family, then it's no different in God's family. We all have our part to play. We've all been called. See, I used to play footy, and you can probably tell that from my physique, that I'm an elite sportsman. <laughs> Played for the Sejuna Blues. And I would normally go in the back pocket because I was terrible. <laughs> and we didn't have enough players, <laughs> or else I would have been on the bench. But that role that I filled was actually really important. I had someone that I had to stand against and I had to make sure that he didn't get away from me and to make sure that that guy who was there forward didn't get the ball because if he got the ball, then he would get a goal if he was a good kick. See, each player, there's 18 players on a football field and each one has a different role. They could be a centre, a wing, a full forward, a full back, but each role has its own purpose and each role is equally as important. You can't pull a full back out of the team and not expect that team to function at an optimal level. See, we've been saved into our family, we've been called into this church, and we all have a job to do. So you've been sent to your families, to your friends, to workplace, to our sporting teams, and to the church. We don't have to wait to be called. We're already here. All we have to do is work out what will our response be? Yeah. See, to be completely available and to be in a place where we can be interrupted, we need to know we're already called, but we also need to know who is calling us. See, when we have a relationship with God, we can trust where He's sending us. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, when I was young, about four or five, before moving to Sejuna, my family owned this general store which is in a tiny town of about 12 people. So obviously it wasn't very busy. But we had this general store and, and uh, it sold everything. It was one of those things that had a petrol pump out the front, but it also sold takeaway and some groceries. And, you know, I love those stores. You can go in and almost find anything in there. But we had this problem where we had these massive gum trees on the opposite side of the road and there was this killer magpie that lived at the top of the tree. And this killer magpie... Anytime a customer would get out of the car to come into the shop, it would, they're ruthless, I tell you, it would just dive down and attack our customers. <laughs> and the thing with me is when I was young, I've got orange hair, but when I was young, young, like four or five, I had this bright flaming red hair 
that could be seen a mile off and this magpie just absolutely loved going for me in particular. It was like there was a target on my head and my red hair just drew it to me. And even if I sort of snuck out the back and tried to go out the back door, it would find me and it would attack me. It's the thing of nightmares. I swear there would be horror movies made about these magpies in the future. So one day my dad got enough of the magpie attacking the customers, not not me, but it's okay. I'll carry that into therapy. Um, So dad called the local policeman to come out and take care of it. So this was the 80s, so things were a little bit looser back then. So the policeman pulled up and he's got his police car and he, out the back of his, you know, pops the boot and pulls out a shotgun. And he's leaning over the top of the police car and my dad and him are there and they're hiding behind the police car because of this killer magpie. But the thing is clever and it won't come down. It won't come down from this tree. So they're sitting there for 10, 15, 20 minutes and after half an hour, my dad has a great idea, which is, I know, Let's go and get little Phil. <laughs> so my dad comes into me and he says, I-, I was inside and he comes in and grabs me and he says, hey, come outside. I've got, I've got something I want you to do for me. And I said, oh, okay, no worries. And you know, I knew that there was a magpie out there, but I trusted that my dad had me looked after. <laughs> and he said, there's no traffic coming. Can you just stand in the middle of the road for a couple of minutes? <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So as I walked out the door and I stood in the middle of the road, within about five seconds, this magpie launches off the top of this gum tree and flew straight down, dive-bombed me. And the policeman with his shotgun, he wasn't quite ready and he fumbled and he shot into the air and missed the magpie. And the magpie didn't miss me. And I got these claw marks all over my scalp. And so I run back inside and I'm grabbing onto my mum's legs. obviously traumatised by being attacked by this dive-bombing magpie. And my dad walks in and he goes, oh, I know it didn't really work out to plan that time and this time it will be better. Trust me, trust me. And so I'm grabbing onto my mum's legs and dad's saying, no, come on, it's all right, trust me. So I end up going with him, I take his hand, we sit, I stand in the middle of the road, probably crying a little bit, you know, as a four-year-old Phil Wood. Again, this is something I'm taking into therapy. So I'm standing there, knees shaking, and this magpie sees me and sees my flaming red hair and launches from this gum tree straight down as dive-bombing in that, you know, you can hear it coming down to get me. And the policeman this time is ready with his shotgun and boom, he gets the magpie. Thank you, Jesus. And the magpie went to hell. We all know that's where magpies go. They don't go into pet heaven. No, that's just a joke, obviously. But there are very few people that could have made me get out into the middle of that road the first time. And even less people that could have made me get out into that road a second time. You see, it was because of the relationship that I had with my dad and the trust that I built with him that I was able to follow through and say, yeah, I'll do that. You know, if my brother had asked me, I would have definitely said no. If my friends had asked me, I would have said no. But because of the relationship I had with my dad, because I knew my father, I trusted him completely. You see, the ask is different from someone you know. 
and have relationship with. And every relationship takes work. When Sarah and I got married, we dated six months and we had a nine-month engagement and then we got married. That wasn't the pinnacle of our relationship. That wasn't where we got to the peak of communication and knowledge of each other, but it was just the start. When we got married, we took, entered into a relationship and our relationship changed and we made a commitment to get to know each other even more. To get, for me to get to know what makes Sarah tick, what makes her happy, what's the best way to communicate with her. And to do that, I had to spend time with her and to build relationship in a new way. See, my relationship with Sarah needs work every day and so does our relationship with God. Are we taking time to get to know Him through reading the Bible regularly, through praying and speaking with Him often, making it a priority to be here at church weekly? See, one of the best ways to get to know someone is to get to know their family. And so if you're coming into church, you're getting to know God's family and you'll get to see God in a new way. Continuing to build on our relationship with God and getting to know Him is vital. It's so important. When we know God, we know who is calling us. When we know God, the ask isn't too big. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, going back to the start of that scripture, it says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. You see, Isaiah had an encounter with God. He saw the Lord. An encounter with God will change your future. An encounter with God will change your destiny. It will change your path. It will change your footsteps. You see, God isn't an old man living in fluffy white clouds with a big long white beard and these beautiful flowing white garments. God is real and is here with us today. His Holy Spirit is here with us And he wants to meet with you today. He wants to have an encounter with you today. The Holy Spirit is here with us. He's not distant. He's not off in a distant place, pulling strings from afar. But he's someone who wants to know you intimately. And all we have to do is open ourselves up. To be completely available and to be in a place where we can be interrupted We need to know we're already called. We need to know who is calling us. And we need to surrender to the call. I love reading the story of Jonah and I love it because it gives a real response to a massive ask. You see, God asked Jonah not to do something small like to talk to one person about bringing them to the Road to Redemption series or an Easter service. He didn't ask him to you know, draw a picture or to give something to someone or to, you know, give someone money or to give someone a meal. It wasn't something small. He asked him to actually go and speak to a nation and ask a nation to change. And I love the response that Jonah gave because it's the response that I would see myself giving was him just running, just leaving and legging it out of there because the, the ask was so big. You see, Jonah gave a real response and he actually, and that's what I love about him, but as he found out, and as we spoke about earlier, Jonah got so far that he found, he got so far, he got thrown off the boat, he got swallowed by the whale. And it's there that he found out that he actually can't run from God. 
and he finally surrendered to the call. See, sometimes it takes us getting to the end of our rope to lose everything, to be at the bottom, to be able to work out that we actually need to surrender. All of our excuses need to go out the window and know that what God has placed in our life is actually a good thing and the call that He's placed in our heart is for our good. Isaiah 6 says, Woe to me, Isaiah cried, I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. It touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Isaiah being ruined before God, undone, completely surrendered, is amazing. He comes to a place of realisation that his sin and that his guilt is a blockage for him being able to follow that call. What is your blockage today? What's stopping you from surrendering and following God's call? What's stopping you from stepping away from the familiar and into adventure? See, for me at about 19, I had an encounter with God and I was saved and I came into His family. And at that point, I knew that I had to quit alcohol. You see, I lived in a country and the country culture is that, you know, it's not unusual for Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday night to go out and just drink and to get yourself written off. And for me at that time, I had to stop and step away from that drinking culture so that God could use me and God could speak to me and God could minister to me. It was a blockage for me being able to connect with God, but it was also a blockage for God being able to use me in my church because on a Saturday night I'd get home drunk and I couldn't be used in a church on a Sunday morning. And it was stopping me from being a witness to my family and to my friends because they would look at my life and say, well, you're no different to us. So for me at that time, I made that decision to quit alcohol. So for four or five years, that's what I did. Tony shared a couple of Sundays ago on the topic, search me. And sometimes we need to let God do a stock take and search our hearts, search our heads and search our hurts. To search out the things that are blockages to us surrendering our life. And I believe that God is speaking to people even now and identifying things in your life that it's time to surrender. It's time to surrender that offence. It's time to let go of it. It's time to surrender your anger. It's time to give that to God. It's time to let go of your finances, of your lust, of your addictions. It's time to surrender them to God. I think one of the things is that we're so afraid of the silence and that we're so afraid of being still, that we build up these walls and these barriers around our life so that we don't have to hear the quiet. We get busy with work, bringing home work every night. We get busy with family, with friends, with sports. We put all these layers of distraction on our life. 
But we can't afraid, be afraid of the silence and we can't be afraid of being still. See, Elijah learnt this when God placed him in the cave and he made the earthquake pass and God wasn't in the earthquake. He made the firestorm pass and he wasn't in the fire. But God was found in the gentle whisper. Do we get so busy doing that we don't take the time and make the space to stop and hear God? You see, surrender happens when we identify and remove blockages and competing distractions. See, God is calling each and every one of us. If I can have the band come, that would be great. We all have a part to play. And I know some of you may be saying, I don't know my call, I don't know where God is calling me. But not knowing what to do is not an excuse to do nothing. You see, it's easier to steer a moving car than it is to steer a parked car. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says it's impossible to please God without faith. And faith starts in your first step. You're one step away from starting on the adventure of your life. And what is your step forward? Is it serving in the church as we talked about earlier? Joining one of our teams, our Victory Kids team? Or a hosting team? Or the cafe team? For some of you, it's God's calling you to share with someone. In your workplace, God's placing them on your heart even now. In your school, in your university. It's about joining a connect group or restoring a broken relationship or stepping out of a toxic one. I loved what Dominic shared last Sunday night about our promises and that we need to have the passion to walk into our promises. But to walk into our promises, we need to take the first step. And I believe that there are people here this morning and God has spoken to you in the past, maybe when you were young, a teenager or a young adult, God has placed dreams and visions in your heart that you thought were long ago buried and dead, but God is bringing them to life. Even now, God is starting to speak to you and you can feel your heart racing a little bit. The question is, are we going to surrender to that call? You see, God is an eternal God. God doesn't exist within our time frame and just because 10 years have passed, that doesn't matter. The call that was placed on your life when you were 15, 16, is just as valid now as it was then. Everyone has a next step. Taking that step takes courage and it's where faith kicks in and the adventure begins. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au 